Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. Hey, hey, how you doing? Nick James here. What a phenomenal time to be alive, Javalar. Absolutely. Jav, what questions you got this week? So the first one is from Katie Ann. Yeah. And she said, what would your team members say is your worst habit? What would my team members say is my worst habit? Um, <laughs> they would probably say, and, and by the way, this is deliberate, so it's not like a bad habit that I'm not aware of. Um, but I think it's a good habit, but they probably don't love it. I think... Um, they would say that constantly reminding us of the bloody vision and repeating it again and again and again and again. Um, but that is deliberate. And, and I think that's a good habit. And um, as I might have mentioned previously on these episodes, um, my coach, Jeff, says that the CEO, the chief executive officer of a company, really should be called the CRO, the Chief Reminder Officer, because their job is to constantly remind the team of the most important things, of what is the vision for this company, what is the purpose, um, what is the mission, what are the values, what are they all about, um, what is the strategic plan, what are the priorities that we're working on this year, this quarter, and constantly reminding of those things, and I think Sometimes the team probably feel that I overdo that a bit. Um, you know, we have a lot of um, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual recurring meetings, which are essentially the same agenda. Um, certainly the weeklies. Um, I bet if you ask the team, they would find the Monday morning metrics meeting quite repetitive. No. Um, <laughs> Jav, he's buttering me up. He's going to have some pay rise in a minute. Um, but the, I think they probably would say they're quite repetitive. And I do what I can to try and freshen them up a bit. But ultimately, the fact is we've got a certain set of key metrics that we report on every single week. And I have done. We've adapted what those metrics are as we've grown over time. But essentially, um, I have done that for the last nine, nearly 10 years, every single week without fail. And it served us quite well. So I'm kind of scared to stop doing it or change that. Um, and I do think the team would probably mostly say that it's a bit repetitive um, and boring, quite frankly. But um, I ain't gonna stop doing it. So they just better get used to that bad habit or habit that they don't enjoy. That was a very strategic, but good answer. Yes. <laughs> so the next one is from Alexis Kingsbury. Yes. And it is, give an example of when you've taken on a bad fit client and regretted it and why. What did you do about it? Yeah, so we've got this client called Alexis Kingsbury. <laughs> it is a part of that, um, So uh, Alexis is a great fit for uh, Mastermind. I'm thrilled to have him as part of it. So um, you know what? Like the truth is so many that I couldn't list them all over the years. Um, a couple of things that jumped to my mind um, is, 
and they're not specific examples of individuals, but they're more like these are mistakes that I've made over the years. So um, in my previous business, we um, we essentially had a, um, a service offering that was a done for you. Um, we build your landing page. Um, we build the automation in behind the scenes um, in order to move people from um, landing on your website and opting in um, for a lead magnet and then upselling them to a product or service and then um, back-end maximizing value of the client. And um, we definitely, um, as part of that, we also um, provided them with a CRM as part of it, as all part of the same package. And we definitely didn't get clear enough on who the ideal client was and who it wasn't. And the mistake we made was we took on clients into this, um, uh, essentially we were an agency, I guess. We took on clients um, for this agency um, to provide this service who couldn't run traffic, who didn't know how to run traffic, either didn't have the budget to pay for traffic or didn't have the skill, hadn't built the social media following or didn't have the skill of how to run traffic. And so essentially we gave them this thing that was useless because unless you put traffic to it, it doesn't work. Um, and so um, I, I still maintain that, you know, I think we made some mistakes in the delivery as well. Um, but in the main, we delivered what we said we would deliver. But the problem was for a lot of people, it was for the wrong person who then couldn't get use or value from it. Um, so I think that then created some problems. Also, the other thing that was a sticking point was in order for us to be able to create the landing page and the campaign, we needed them to provide us with certain information, images for the landing page, copy, um, feedback on what we'd created, and, and oftentimes that didn't come. And so we were sat there twiddling our thumbs, I say we, members of our team were sat there twiddling the thumbs going, we can't progress on this project because we don't have the necessary information from the client. And so I think that was probably on our side, a poor messaging um, issue and also probably a lack of discipline in the sales process issue. Like with the best will in the world, um, it's very difficult for a salesperson to say no to somebody who wants to buy something, even if they're not a good fit, because ultimately the salesperson is there to make sales, to bring in revenue to the business and they want to make commission. And so I think we probably got it, got it a little bit wrong there. Um, so that's the first one. Second thing, same problem, different circumstances. Um, with uh, in the early days of us running Mastermind, um, you know, we used to have a program called 50K Mastermind, which was essentially how do you make your first 50 grand um, from your coaching, consulting, speaking, um, expert business. And what that attracted with that messaging, the messaging was great because most programs out there, and this was the rationale behind it, um, most programs out there are promising the world. They're promising you become a millionaire in the next month with very little work. Um, that's an exaggeration, but you get my point. And so when we came up with, hey, we're going to teach you and coach you through the process of making your first 50,000 as a coach, speaker, consultant, expert, it felt more realistic and that, that appealed to a, a section of our industry or, or our community that we hadn't appealed to before. And so we got a lot of people take us up on that. I think we first launched it, I'm gonna say, I think it was like September 18, something like that. 
that program and um, might have been 17, might have been 18, can't remember. Um, but like within a month um, or two, we'd sold like 30, 40, 50 of these programs, um, you know, which was a lot of volume considering what we'd been used to. Um, so the messaging really worked. Again, same problem was, um, I'd say 80% of the people we took into that program were great um, and did really well and they were, they were perfect clients. There was 20% of the people who came into that program and again, same problem, lack of clarity of message and lack of discipline on the sales side. What that created was maybe 20% of the people that joined that program um, didn't have, they came in going, yes, I want to make 50 grand plus a year running my own business. Some of them were still employees. Some of them didn't actually have like, here's what the business is, the product or the service is. They were almost too early in the process. And that caused us, certainly caused us some problems and some challenges and some issues. But I'd say um, for Alexis, the answer to the question is on every occasion where I've had that problem, it's always been down to either poor messaging, lack of clarity in message, or lack of discipline on the sales side. One of those two. Um, it's it's very rarely been anything else. And, and by the way, here's a great thing: both of those things are within our control. Like no, none of those things are down to yeah, this person was an arsehole. Invariably. We have had some clients that have been assholes. I'm, I'm not saying that's not been the case, but invariably the, the big cause of the issue has been lack of clarity of message on the front end or lack of discipline on the sales side. Interesting. Okay. The next question is from your very good friend, Dee Patney. Right, Dee, what are you saying? I, I hate when Dee asks questions because she's got like, unfair amounts of knowledge and dirt on me because we've known each other a very long time. Well, she wants to know, when you look back at your dancing on stage performances... Uh, this would be an example, by the way. This would be an example of her knowing things about me a lot of people don't know. This, this requires some context. So, um, yeah, when I was 17, 18 years of age, very long time ago now, um, I attended a lot of Tony Robbins seminars with my mum and my mum became a trainer for Tony's organisation. I ended up um, as like a member of their volunteer crew at all their events. Um, and let's just say I had a certain flair for one of the roles, um, which was um, like, if you've not been to a Tony Robbins seminar, this makes no sense. But if you haven't, you probably should go. Um, because I think they're great. And, you know, it's all about... Um, high energy and physical movement as well. And so before Tony comes on stage at any uh, event, start of the day, after lunch break, whatever, um, everyone gets up and dances and all that kind of stuff. And for whatever reason, I still don't know why, I think it's because I was young enough that I could, I could do it for 20, 30, 40 minutes and still maintain some degree of energy because I was fit and young. Um, yeah, I became like, the guy that was the like the lead dancer they used to call it um so they'd be like me on stage um sometimes in front of two three four five thousand plus people i think the biggest one we ever did was um at the xl in london and they had at that event i think it was like twelve thousand people there um and there's this little skinny dude 
I'm still skinny, but I've got a lot older. Um, probably not as fit as I was. Um, this little skinny dude at, what, 18 years of age at that point, um, like, yeah, it, it was good experience. So the question is, um, now I've given you that context, the question was... When you look back at your dancing on stage performances, yeah. what embarrasses you the most? By the way, there's also another bit of context for this. So D and I met when I was working for Andy Harrington um, in sales. In fact, I think I sold her on her first ever kind of personal development seminar or something. Um, but actually, Andy approached me to go and work for his company because he saw me dancing on stage at a Tony Robbins event. Seriously, like he saw me and when um, he literally approached me, um, you know, uh, like one of the evenings um, and he went, I want you to come and do that for my company in London. I'm, you know, and he, he painted this picture of like what he was building. He was like, you know, it's going to be like personal development, Tony Robbins, NLP in London, in the UK. And I want you to come work for my company and I want you to do that. And so I actually went and um, supported some of Andy's events as a volunteer doing that. Um, and then over time, um, ended up going and working um, uh, in sales initially, um, then uh, doing a bit of speaking and doing a bit of marketing. So I suppose you could say by the time I left his company, it was kind of like broadly business development, anything that was going to grow the business through marketing, through sales, through speaking. Um, that was my role. Um, but none of that would have happened if I hadn't put myself out there. And, and quite frankly, I'm going to answer the question. I'm not just uh, fluffing it. Um, I, like, quite frankly, put myself out there in, in you know, what was quite an uncomfortable, sometimes slightly embarrassing situation, um, dancing on stage in front of thousands of people. So um, what was my most embarrassing memory? Yeah. the question? Yeah. Um, well, I never fell, so that's a positive. Um, but what I will say, and I do think maybe Tony has upped his game a bit of late, but I've not been to a Tony seminar probably for 15 years. Um, interestingly, he's coming to Birmingham in July, I think. So I might pop in, might get a ticket and just go and check it out because I haven't been for so long. Um, but let's just say that the music was quite dated. So it wasn't like necessarily to my tastes. So bear in mind, I'm like, what, 17, 18 years of age. Um, and like most of the music was like 80s. So um, oh, what were some of the tracks? There was, um, who did, get your phone out, Jav, and tell me, who sang, I should know this, Born To Be Wild? Steppenwolf. There, there you go. go. I got it just in time, <laughs> Steppenwolf. So it was music like that, which when you're 17 or 18 years of age in, what are we talking? Um, early 2000s it's not exactly cool but yeah so so it was all a bit cheesy and a bit 80s but a lot of fun and actually you know what taught me some most valuable lessons um, certainly got me comfortable being on stage in front of a large audience albeit not as a speaker but still having stage presence um, and I think being able to manage state and and hold energy of a room was a really good valuable lesson um, you know overcoming a lot of my own I remember the first time I ever did that I was like absolutely bricking it um, I was in Australia, first time I ever did it. Um, I remember the, the lady who was like um, one of the kind of team leaders or managers, if you like, of the volunteers. Um, she was like, right, after the next lunch break, um, I want you to lead the whole thing. And I was like, but I've never done that before. And she was like, no, but I've watched you. She was like, you absolutely know what you're doing. You'll be fine. Um, Lisa, what was her last name? My mum will remember. I can't remember Lisa's last name, that's horrendous. 
Um, but yeah, she and she was like, I want you to do. It. I was I was seventeen or eighteen or something, and I was bricking it. And she was like, You'll be absolutely fine. You know exactly what you're doing. Like you've been doing, you've been, you know every single song and every single dance move. You've been doing it for so long in the background. She was like, You've got this. Um, and so like her kind of pushing me to do it um, was massive. And then I remember getting a phone call from her shortly after um, when I was back in the UK. And she was like, right, what are you doing on these dates? And I went, I've got no idea. Um, it was before we had like diaries on our phones. I remember she called me on my mobile. Um, I was in the pub with my dad at the time. I remember it vividly. Went outside to take the call because it was from America. I was like, who's phoning me from America? This might be important. Um, and she was like, what are you doing on these dates? I went, no idea, but yeah, I was a student, so can't be anything important. Um, and she was like, well, we'd love to, um, we'd love to have you come to Germany and do that for the whole of the UPW event for four days. Or literally my job was first thing in the morning, get on stage for, and it could have been sometimes it'd be 10 or 15 minutes. Um, sometimes it was 45 minutes. Um, and you never really knew what time Tony was going to start. Um, so like, I'd do that in the morning and then after the lunch break, same thing, that was it. And they flew me to Germany and paid all my expenses and which is pretty cool, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, I think Germany, you know what? I think that was, I think it was 2002. And the reason I remember is because England were playing Brazil in the World Cup that um that summer, like it was on while we were out there. Um, maybe that was the year after. That might have been the year after. Might have been 2001 the first time. But then that event in Germany, in Frankfurt, was when Andy Harrington approached me. There you go. So it's crazy. And, and who knows, you know, had that, had Lisa, that's really annoying that I can't remember her last name. Um, had she not approached, you know, given me the opportunity and nudged me and pushed me in the direction, then who knows? Like, wouldn't have had the opportunity to go to Frankfurt, wouldn't have had the opportunity to work for Andy, wouldn't have learned about sales and marketing and speaking and wouldn't be here doing what we're doing. So thanks, Lisa. I'm really, really sorry. I can't remember the last name. Sure. Morgan. Lisa Morgan. That was the name. There you go. We could relive past times and March EE, get no, you on no. stage dancing. No, no. There's Stephen Wolf. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, well, actually, I'll tell you why. Um, it, it, knackers you out and then I'd have to speak it's like you can't do that and then speak be out of breath um next question is there another question yeah yeah. Huh? so I know we said every eight episodes I could ask a question but I do have one more every eight episodes that's what you said last time did I yeah I yeah. know oh, I'm happy to go every other okay I'm good let's that. do it yeah Jav's question of the week yeah so um what do you look for in a partnership what do I look for in a partnership? Um, what kind of partnership, first of all? So a business partnership yeah. where you've got three people, say. Okay, so if there was a business partnership and there were three partners. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, I've, I have done something similar, but not recently. And so, um, but I think the answer is the same regardless. So in a business partnership, there's a few things. First of all, the mistake I think a lot of people make when they go into a business partnership is the reason they go into the partnership is normally because um, they're not brave enough, bold enough to go it alone. And so invariably what you get is two people who aren't brave enough, bold enough to go it alone, 
who have often similar skill sets and similar um, personality styles. And all you really got is just two of the same person. And, and that means that the business needs to do double the profit to generate the same amount of income for each partner. So for me, like the first thing I look for in a partnership is what are they going to bring to the table that I can't or don't want to bring to the table? Um, so, you know, my previous business partnership that I often talk about, my business partner, um, friend of mine called Dan Bradbury, um, Dan's brain and my brain are very different. We have, um, whilst we do have some shared skills, like both good at marketing, um, uh, both good at writing copy, uh, both competent speakers, there was still like, we always joked and said, I am basically sales and marketing and people, and he was like strategy and finance. I was incompetent when it came to strategy and finance. I've developed that skill over time. Um, I wouldn't say he was incompetent, but he wasn't, certainly not, a, you know, even to this day, often says on his podcast, like he doesn't have no desire to build a big team of people. It's not his game, it's not what he loves. Whereas I love that stuff. So we had definitely complementary skill sets in that regard. Um, I think, you know, of course, um, more recently, my business partnership with Matt Elwell in the Elite Closing Academy. Um, whilst, again, we probably have uh, similar skill sets in that we're both good at sales and speaking and training, I'd say um, Matt has more of, more of an obsession to create content. You know, he, he really pushed because he wanted to write his book, Open With The Close, and, and the second book, which is in progress. Like, I didn't have any desire to do that, but he loves creating content. Um, and you only have to attend his training to see the depth in which he's created content around the selling and closing process. It's far more depth than I tend to, my contents tend to be more surface level and then I discuss it and mastermind it and answer questions and that's what I enjoy. So we've got different skill sets in that, in that regard. The main reason I went into business with Matt, um, other than the fact that I think he's a great guy and I love him to bits, is that I have not got the time or capacity or inclination to run more events myself from the front of the room. Um, and it's knackering. Uh, so I'm already, um, Claire actually totaled up, but I'm already on stage probably 50 to 100 days a year, probably more than that. Um, probably more than that, probably north of 100 days a year, I suspect. And so like that's knackering and, and I, I got to a point where I went, well, if the only way to grow the business is for me to do more of that, I don't want to grow the business. Um, so bringing Matt in as a partner enabled us to, we last year, I think, ran kicking on for 200 days of training, which were delivered by predominantly me and Matt, but also, as you know, Jav, we've got Ad now, who's our head of marketing, who delivers some of the marketing content, and Shari, who's our head coach, delivers some of the mindset stuff. So we're now building out our team of, of speakers and trainers. Um, which has enabled me to build the business and actually even slightly reduce my stage time, um, which is what I wanted. So Matt was able to fill a gap um, for me that I didn't want to fill myself. Um, so I think that's important. Could either be a skill set you don't possess, like it was with Dan. I was like, look, I was, I was so bad at running the finances of a business. It was complete chaos. Um, and he spent a lot of time and energy mastering that and and of course now um 
his mastermind and, and a lot of the products that he offers and uh, and his philosophies around financial literacy and competence. Um, so I think you know he's really gone all in on that skill set, and I've probably gone more all in on um, building a team and a culture and strategy, and that's what I love and, and now what we teach. So um, I think finding a partner that's got a complementary skill set that you don't have or that has the capacity to do something that you either haven't got the time or the energy to do or the desire to do, um, I would I would suggest that's a, a good place to start. Thank you. Cool. Very helpful. Well, and, and by the way, um, I could go on. Um, shared vision, shared values. Like you, you shouldn't go into business with somebody unless you've got shared vision and shared values. Um, which, by the way, um, we had a trial business partnership last year um, with a good friend of mine, Ryan Pinnick. We're still really good mates. Um, he created a company called Super Genius, and it seemed on the surface good values match, good shared vision, um, and you know. Similar to Matt, um, you know, Ryan's a highly experienced speaker, very good at sales. Um, how do I grow our group? Well, not by doing more speaking than selling myself. So it felt like a good opportunity and, you know, and he's spoken a lot of our events. Um, in the end, we, we did a six-month trial. And in the end, we, we decided at the end of six months not to continue with being business partners, but only because of the logistics that were required for Ryan to be part of our group, spend a lot of time in Birmingham, and you know he's now settled um, down in the southeast, and and there was a few other bits and bobs, but um, ultimately, you know, the vision and the values were still are one hundred percent aligned, I believe, um, but also it practically needs to work and make sense, and logistics and things need to also make sense. Cool. Cool. Thank you. That final question? One more. Oh, okay. You chucked your question in before the last one. I thought yours well, was I last one. I didn't think best till last. So. Okay. And this is a question which doesn't have much context, so take it as you will. Okay. Claire Morton yes. wants to know who is important to you. Oh. Claire. Good question. And that is literally the question. That's the question. Who is important yeah. to me? I mean... Nat and the kids, they're my favourite three people in the world, most important people to me. Um, I think I haven't done a great job, probably, of spending as much time with my extended family as much as I could. Um, so, like, my mum and Tone, spend way less time with them since we stopped working together. My dad only see a couple of times a year. Um, but, yeah, Nat and the kids are the most important um, I'd say then business-wise, um, leadership team, um, it seems like a recurring theme. I haven't probably recently done a good enough job of spending enough time both individually with the leadership team one-on-one -on -one, and us together as a group, as a team. Um, and I feel I've felt that recently and so made a, um, a conscious decision to invest more time in in one-on-one -on -one and group building those relationships obviously all clients all team members are important to me the, the biggest problem the biggest challenge i have and i could answer this question for the next half an hour and give you a list and there'd be like put it this way we've got um 160 odd members of our mastermind we've got another 100 plus members of our academy um we've got 25 
full-time team members. We've got um, uh, hundreds of people that purchase tickets for our events every year. Um, we've got people, you know, thousands of people that follow us on social media. We've got family, extended family, all of the above. They're all important to me. But the definition of a, of a priority is the most important thing. And so when you think about people, the definition of priority is the most important people. Um, so you have to draw a line somewhere and say, I'm going to sacrifice time and energy for these people in order to give it to these people. Um, and that's, that's probably the thing that I struggle with most at the moment. I know that wasn't the question, but um, it's the thing I struggle with most is the desire for me to give attention and um, appreciation and energy to all of those people that I just mentioned. And like you say, if you put them all together, it's certainly hundreds. Um, and actually, if you extended it, probably thousands. It's really difficult. Um, for me to get that balance so i do my best but my best isn't always good enough it's only so many hours in the day yeah exactly brilliant um and actually uh i've i've spoken about this quite a bit on the podcast and on this show before um who's most important to me the one person i didn't mention is probably the person that has to come first and that's me so i spend as i've shared before you know um every single day like many hours, um, you know, two or three hours each day on average on me, you know, physical exercise, looking after myself nutritionally, um, listening to podcasts, audio books, my education, my personal development. Like it, it's at least two to three hours a day on those things, like a variety of those things. And so um, that sounds quite selfish maybe, but I believe that unless I do that, I, I, I can't do a good job for everybody else. So uh, I think for um, Claire, for anyone else watching, listening, um, I do think that the trap most of us fall into as business owners and entrepreneurs is the answer to that question is everybody but you. And actually, you need to put you first. In, it's the old, um, you know, when you're on the, on the plane um, and they do the safety announcement and it's like, you know, in the event of loss of cabin pressure, put your mask on before anybody else's. Um, and I feel the same about this, like you've got to put yourself first in order to then be able to show up and support everybody else and give them the attention, the energy, the love that they deserve. Brilliant. Um, that concludes episode nine of Open Real Q&A with Nick J. Remember, please send any questions in that you would like to put forward for future episodes in to jav, J-A-V, at expertempires.com, that's jav, jav at expertempires.com. Um, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. See you soon. More you connect. More you connect. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe. Leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms. And uh, share the love. Tell your friends. Remember, till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect.